كلا إنها كلمة هو قائلها ومن ورائهم برزخ إلى يوم يبعثون إذا نفخ في الصور فلا أنساب بينهم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد uh, Today's lecture is going to be uh, about the the first of probably two or three lectures about the relationship between the living and the dead and I want to begin this portion of our barzakh with the very very relevant and pertinent question and one that everybody asks about and that is that can the dead hear the living? When we visit them at the Qabr, when we're standing by their side, when we say salam to them, can the dead hear and are they aware of the presence of those who are next to the uh, Qabr? And this issue, which is called Sama'ul Mauta, the hearing of the dead, is one that is used as an example for the fact that even within Sunni Islam, there are theological or aqadi differences. Yes, it is true that the arkan of six arkan we agree upon. It is true that most issues of Islam, Ahl Sunnah agree upon. But not everything is agreed upon. Since the time of the Sahaba, there have been some minor issues of disagreement, even in matters of creed or theology. And this is number one on the list. Can the dead hear or not? Even the Sahaba disagreed amongst themselves. And you have on the one side a certain group, on the other side another group. So this is an issue from the outset we should be aware that there is no unanimous opinion amongst our own ulama. If the Sahaba themselves differed, what do you think is going to happen in later times? And today inshallah I'm going to summarize for you in extensive detail, I say it is a summary, but inshallah it is a very exhaustive lecture over the, conf the, the conflict of this issue and why it exists. And before I begin, realize that what we're talking about is the issue of the dead hearing in the vicinity of the Qabr. No mainstream scholar in the history of Islam ever said that the dead can hear anything and everything. That is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is as Sami' and Al-Basir. No one ever said that wherever we are, we just call out and the dead can hear. No. The controversy is, if you go to the Qabr and you stand by the Qabr, can the dead hear right in the vicinity? Like in our life, we have a vicinity we can hear. If somebody is speaking in the hallway, I can never hear that person, right? And if somebody is speaking in front of me, then I can hear them. So too, the ulama of the past and of the sahaba and whatnot, the controversy was, can the dead hear within the vicinity of the Qabr? No one said all hearing, only Allah Azza wa Jal is all hearing. So we began by the first group of people, those who said they cannot hear. Those who said they cannot hear. And at the head of this entire group of scholars is none other than our mother Aisha radiallahu anha. Aisha's position is the dead cannot hear. And some of the other Sahaba followed her and a group of ulama in Islamic history followed this position. And the evidence she herself used and all other later ulama use it as their number one evidence is the Quran itself. The Quran seems to indicate that the dead cannot hear. 
And there are a number of verses In our lecture I'll mention three And these are the main three Three of them, in fact, two are exactly the same verse But repeated twice Surat An-Naml verse 80 And Surat Ar-Rum verse 52 Are exactly the same They are literally the same uh, word for word فَإِنَّكَ لَا تُسْمِعُ الْمَوْتَى وَلَا تُسْمِعُ الصُّمَّ الدُّعَاءَ إِذَا وَلَّوْ مُدِبِرِينَ This is the exact same phrase twice in the Quran فَإِنَّكَ لَا تُسْمِعُ الْمَوْتَى You, Ya Rasulullah, cannot make the dead to hear You cannot make the dead to hear وَلَا تُسْمِعُ الصُّمَّ الدُّعَاءَ إِذَا وَلَّوْ مُدْبِرِينَ And those that are, you know, basically يعني, deaf but meaning here arrogant and whatnot, if you call out to them, they're going to turn away, how can you make them hear? So the, the tafsir is, just like the arrogant Quraysh turn away and leave, Allah is saying, just like the dead cannot hear, so too the Quraysh will not hear. This is the parable being set up, right? Those that don't want to listen to your message, Ya Rasulullah, they are like... They are like the what? The dead. So this is an example being set up. فَإِنَّكَ لَا تُسْمِعُ الْمَوْتَى وَلَا تُسْمِعُ الصُّمَّ الدُّعَاءِ ذَا وَلَّ مُدْبِرِينَ This arrogant person, he might as well be dead in the qabr, the both of them cannot hear. Which means the one in the qabr cannot hear. Right? So these are two verses, exact same. The third verse, Surah Fatir, verse 22. Surah Fatir, verse 22. وَمَا يَسْتَوِ الْأَحْيَاءُ وَلَا الْأَمْوَاتِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُسْمِعُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُسْمِعٍ مَنْ فِي الْقُبُورِ The living and the dead are not the same. The living and the dead are not the same. Allah can allow anyone He wants to to hear. And you cannot make the one in the qabr to hear. وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُسْعِمْ مَنْ فِي الْقُبُورِ You cannot make the one who is dead to hear. Now, once again, what is the reference being said over here? It's a very deep and profound example. Not similar are the living and the dead. وَمَا يَسْتَوَ الْأَحْيَاءُ وَلَا الْأَمْوَاتِ This verse has a double meaning. Both of them are valid. The first meaning, not similar, is the one who has iman and the one who has kufr. Because Allah Azza wa Jal uses the metaphor of life for iman and uses the metaphor of death for kufr. Is that clear? The Quran in multiple verses uses the metaphor of life for iman and the metaphor of kufr for, sorry, the metaphor of death for kufr. And there are multiple examples in the Quran. For example, give the example of the one who was dead and we brought him back to life. Ibn Abbas said, this is an example Allah is giving of the kafir whom Allah guided to Islam. Allah calls the kafir mayyit. And Allah says, we brought him to Islam, he became alive. Right? So the metaphor of iman and kufr like the living and the dead is throughout the Quran. So Allah is saying the example of the one of Iman versus the one of Kufr is like the example of the one who is alive versus the one who is dead. In how? In their hearing. The one who is alive can hear. But Ya Rasulullah, the one who is dead, the one who is in the Qabr, can you make him hear? So too the one who is kafir and has a covering on his heart, summun bukmun umyun, they will not hear. Fahum la yasma'oon. And the meaning of sama' here is that they're not going to hear to benefit, just like the one in the qabr does not hear at all. 
right? So this is a very deep metaphor that Allah Azza wa gives of the Muslim and the Kafir, like the living and the dead, in the sense of hearing, a hearing of benefit and hearing the actual hearing. So these verses are quite apparently explicit to one group of people. At the beginning of them is our mother Aisha radiallahu anha and many other ulama who we'll mention as well. In the other camp or the other group, are also many scholars. At the head of them is none other than Umar ibn Khattar and his son Ibn Umar and a number of Sahaba. So you have يعني, major Sahaba on both sides. You have major Sahaba on both sides. And their evidence uh, and later scholars are many, many, many ahadith. No verses of the Quran. Many ahadith that seem to indicate that the dead hear. And the most powerful and the most explicit one is the one that occurred when the Prophet wasallam buried the dead at the Battle of Badr. He buried the Mushrikun at the Battle of Badr. Anas ibn Malik says that the Prophet wasallam left the Qabr of the people of Badr for three days. Then on the way back to Medina, he passed by their Qabr and he stopped and nadahum. He shouted out to them. Nida is to speak loudly. Nadahum, Ya Aba Jahl ibn Hisham, Ya Umayya ibn Khalaf, Ya Utba ibn Rabi'a, Ya Shayba ibn Rabi'a. He mentioned the four Sanadid, the four yani, evil leaders of the Quraysh by name. He's mentioning them by name, he's calling them by name. Ya Aba Jahl, Ya Utba. Alaysa qad wajadtum ma wa'ad rabbukum haqqa fa inni qad wajadtum ma wa'ad rabbi haqqa Have you found the promise of Allah true because I have found the promise of Allah true The prophet is speaking to the people of the qabr Umar said Ya Rasulullah kayfa yasma'u How can they hear you how can they respond to you when you're speaking to them? And they have been decayed. They're beginning to decay. How can they hear you when they're in the corpse, in the qabr? And the Prophet said, I swear by the one in whose hands is my soul, the Prophet is giving qasam by Allah. You right now are no, are no less able to hear me than they are able to hear me. You can hear me exactly the same as they can. This is a very explicit phrase. And it is in Bukhari and many books of Ibn Hisham. All the books of Sirah mention this. The Prophet is saying, I give you qasam. You are hearing me as well as the people in the Qabr can hear, but they cannot respond back to me. And he then went on and commanded that the, the, the well be, because they were thrown in a well, he commanded that the well be covered up. And to this day, if you go to Badr, you know the exact location of that well that they were thrown into. This evidence is the primary evidence that Umar ibn Khattab and his son ibn Umar used to say that the dead can hear. Because the Prophet is explicitly saying that they can hear me just as well as you can. And he's giving a qasam. And other evidences. Of the evidences is the hadith in Sahih Bukhari. The Prophet said, When the person is lowered in the grave and the hadith goes on, then the phrase comes, when his companions go back and leave, the one in the qabr can hear the footsteps of his own companions as they leave. 
This hadith is in Bukhari and it is quite explicit. The one in the qabr can hear the footsteps of his ashab when they go back and leave the cemetery. Okay, so this is a second evidence. A third evidence, the famous hadith of Aisha also in Bukhari and Muslim, that the Prophet Jibreel came and told him to go to the qabr the last week of his life, the famous incident when he left in the middle of the night and Aisha followed wondering he might go to another house if you get my drift here and she is jealous what is going on and he rushes to Baqi' al-Gharqad and uh, Aisha overhears what is he saying and this was the last week of his life sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he said the famous that we all know assalamu alaykum ya ahla qawmin min al-muslimin wal-mu'mineen wa inna insha'allahu bikum lahiqoon nas'alullaha lana wa lakum al-afiyah this is the dua that is said when you visit a qabr now how does this indicate that the dead can hear the scholars say this salam is a salam of tahiyyah Assalamu alaykum ya ahl al-qabr ya ahl al-qubur Assalamu alaykum like you give to the living now you have visited the dead in their qabr you give salam to them as well it is the same as the salam to the living right so the same thing salamu alaykum that we say to the living we say to the qabr when we go to the qabr and so this is a tahiyyah or a welcoming and now the prophet is as if speaking to them wa inna insha'allahu bikum lahiqun it's just a matter of time i will meet you he is saying this, right? This is not a dua per se. This is a statement. I am going to meet you very soon. My death is coming. I'm going to meet you very soon. So he is as if speaking to the people of the qabr. And this indicates obviously that they must be uh, hearing them. Number, evidence number four. The mutawatir narrations narrated by over 15 of the sahaba. It is one of the mutawatir ahadith that the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever sends his salat upon me, whoever sends his salam upon me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will convey their salams. And in other versions, There are angels that are touring in the land. The word siyaha in modern Arabic is tourism. In classical Arabic it meant wanders. That Allah Azza wa Jal has angels that are wandering, touring in the land. Their only job is to convey the salams of my ummah to me. So wherever you send salam, the angels bring it to me. Okay, so the scholars say this indicates that the one in the qabr is aware of the salams being sent, in particular the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is evidence number four. Evidence number five is a hadith that is... Pretty explicit, but it is not found in the six books. It is found in the more tertiary books of Sunnah, uh, in the Sahih of Ibn Hibban, and uh, in Tariq Damishq and Ibn Asakir and others, and Al-Bayhaqi also has it, and other tertiary books of Hadith have it. And it goes as follows, that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, uh, or it is reported that he said, مَا مِن رَجُلٍ يَمُرُّ عَلَىٰ قَبْرِ رَجُلٍ كَانَ يَعْرِفُهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا فَيُسَلِّمُ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا عَرَفَهُ وَرَدَّ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ This is a very, very explicit hadith. There is no person who goes to the qabr of one of his friends in this dunya whom he knew, Muslim, and he says salam to him, except that the one in the qabr knows, arafahu, he knows, and he then returns the salam. Okay? And this hadith is, as you can imagine, the subject of a lot of controversy. Is it authentic or not? And this is one of the key factors. 
The point is, even if it's not authentic, they have other evidences that is used. But if it is authentic, it is pretty explicit. And I have done my brief research, and Allah knows best, it doesn't seem to be sahih or even hasan. And this is the verdict of the majority of scholars, Ibn Hajar al-Albani. They said that this, this narration is actually slightly weak. There's a missing link in it. So, nonetheless, it can be used along with all of the other evidences as a type of يعني, something to put along with. But it is not one of the main things that we can do. Another point of evidence is the authentic wasiyah uh, or legacy of Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu. This is a Muslim. Amr ibn al-As, when he was about to die, he told his sons and he told his family, he told his family, when you bury me, stand over me for as long as it takes to sacrifice an animal and distribute the meat. Now, what is sacrifice an animal, distribute the meat? This is an expression in Arabic. You know, they didn't have a watch, obviously. The concept of nisa'a and 20 daqiqa or something is not quite what they knew. They had an expression that basically, as long as it takes to slaughter an animal, cut it up and distribute the meat, I don't know, I'm estimating maybe half an hour for them. Okay, or 25 minutes, something. Because once you know how to slaughter an animal and cut it up, it's a very fast job. So they had an expression in Arabic, which is, stand over me this period of time, which is 20 minutes, 25 minutes, something like this. So Amr ibn al is saying, when you put me in the qabr, don't just leave. Stand there for a period of time, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Until, he said, bikum. I gain comfort from your presence. So Amr ibn al-As is saying, and Amr is a sahabi, he's a famous sahabi, he is a knowledgeable sahabi. And Amr ibn al-As is saying, Stay there around my qabr so that I can find comfort from your presence and I'm able to respond to the Rasul of my Rabbi, meaning Malakain, meaning Munkar and Nakir, right? So he is basically saying, I want your audience support. Be there while I am responding so that I know you're there and I can find comfort in your presence, right? And this hadith seems to indicate what? It seems to indicate that Amr ibn al-As knew that the one in the qabr is aware of the presence of the one outside. That is why he is telling his own sons and his family, when you bury me, don't leave immediately. Wait a while until I'm able to respond to my, my Lord's messengers. Messengers here means angels. Yeah, Rusul doesn't mean Rasul uh, in the sense of prophets. And then you can go away. So these are some of the main evidences that are used. Added to this, Added to this is the issue, not quite an evidence per se, because this is never an evidence, but it can be added to a list at the end of a list. And that is the mutawatir. Mutawatir means it has been narrated by numerous, numerous, numerous people. The mutawatir narrations from the scholars and the righteous of the Muslims and the awam of the believers that the people of the qabr are aware of the presence of those who visit them by the dreams that the living see of the dead. Okay? This is something that is now become mutawatir. That, and you find this, by the way, it's not just folklore and legends. You find this in famous books of tarajim uh, or biographies. You find this in many of the classical ulama. You find this famous ulama speaking of their mashayikh who have passed on. And then they say, oh, I saw him in a dream. And I visited him in the grave. And he said, etc., etc. Right? So the notion of in a dream, the dead come to the living. 
and tell them about their visits to the qabr or tell them why didn't you visit me for example right you have neglected me your your haqq upon me is you should visit me for example right this is something that a number of scholars say is mutawatir now islamic evidence law sharia aqida is not based upon dreams obviously we all know that but we say there's nothing wrong with adding this to the list at the very end in and of itself it is not an independent evidence but in english we say supporting evidence right we just add it to the long list of things that we can add this is definitely not independent evidence because a million dreams does not make the sharia but when you have all of these ahadith can't we just add this as well because it conforms with these ahadith and that's what this group has done ibn al-qayyim mentions this point as well ibn al-qayyim mentions this point as well that it is tawatara it is well known that people narrate this that they see their loved ones and their loved ones know that they have visited them in the uh, qabr or not now this group of people this group of of, of ulama before we move on to the names and other things, how do they understand the verses that we said are the evidence of group number one, right? How do they understand the evidences that were, Allah says in the Quran, فَإِنَّكَ لَا تُسْمِعُ الْمَوْتَ How do they understand this? This group understands that when Allah is saying, you cannot make the dead hear, the hearing is the hearing of benefit, not the hearing of a physical auditory sensation. And the evidence is the context. Because when Allah calls the Quraysh summun, they are not actually sum to the, sum means deaf. They're not actually deaf to the voice. What are they deaf to? The message, the truth acting upon it, right? They're not deaf to the voice. They're deaf to the response that should be generated. So these other second camp, they say the verses are very clear and the context indicates that what Allah is referencing is not the sama' of the ear, but the sama' of the qalb. There's a difference between the two, right? And Allah also said in the Quran, فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَعْمَلْ أَبُصَارُ وَلَكِنْ تَعْمَلْ الْقُلُوبُ الَّتِي فِي الصُّدُورِ Even the heart can see. And Allah is saying those people who reject Islam, it's not their eyes that have gone blind. It is the hearts in the chest that have gone blind. Right? So the, 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 the metaphor or the language of hearing and seeing for the soul is something in the Quran. It's not something we are creating. It's in the Quran. So the question is, when Allah is saying the dead cannot hear, what hearing is He referencing? The hearing of the voice or the hearing of response of the soul? Group one says the hearing of the voice. And group two says the hearing of the response. The hearing that is basically a hearing of, of, of intifa, a hearing of uh, benefit. And uh, they, they also mention, you know, as we said, the whole notion of summun, bukmun, umyun, deaf, dumb, and blind, not in a physical sense, in a spiritual sense. So they say the Quran is very clear that what is being referenced is the hearing that will bring about a benefit. And Allah is saying, just like the one in the qabr, it is too late. You can shout and scream and yell if they did not accept Islam in this life. Of what use is it? So Allah is comparing the living with the seal over his heart with the dead. They can both hear, but they will not respond or they cannot respond. Okay? So this is how 
Group two interprets the evidences of group one. Clear? Okay, now let's flip the question around. How does group one interpret the evidences of group two? Right? Because we have to be fair here. We have to, and this is what the true researcher does. You don't approach the question biased. You look at the evidences. You see what each group is saying. And you put yourself in the shoe of each category, each camp. How do they view the evidences? And then the researcher is allowed to make his or her uh, opinion up. It is not fair to approach the question already biased. It's not fair to just already have a mindset or only look at the evidences of one side. The open-minded researcher, this is what he or she does. You look at the evidences. You weigh them both out. You put yourself in the shoes of each other and you respond to the evidences. So, those who follow group one, they say all of these evidences that you have brought forth are exceptions to the general rule. And exceptions don't make a rule. The people of Badr, Allah Azza wa Jal made an exception for them to punish them. The people of Badr, Allah made an exception for them. And that's why the Prophet is saying, you can hear as well as they can. This is, they flip it around. Rather than extrapolate a rule, they make it into an exception. Right? And the issue of the footsteps walking away, they say, this is at the very instance when the ruh goes back into the body and munkar and nakir, and then after that it finishes. After that it's gone. This is when the ruh, because the hadith is, by the way, Bara bin Azab hadith, the famous one, the ruh comes back in and munkar and nakir. And in that hadith, and the man hears the footsteps, meaning this is it, the end. Now the curtain's going to fall and now the real barzakh will begin. Now the rest of the barzakh will begin. So they say this is a 15, 20 minute exception, basically, that now it's beginning and now that is his end that's going to cut off. As for the hadith I just quoted, that any Muslim who comes and visits his brother and says salam and Allah will not Allah. The man will recognize and respond. So obviously they say this hadith is weak and they have evidence for this hadith being weak. But that it, technically it is weak. So these are in a nutshell two of the, the, the you know, um, mainstream positions of Islam. Who held each uh, position? So as for the position that the dead can hear, the dead can hear, I believe it is fair to say that a slight majority or maybe even a large majority held this position. Historically speaking, if you tally up the names of those who said the dead can hear, it appears that they are in a majority. And at the head of this list is Umar ibn Khattar and his son Ibn Umar and Anas ibn Malik and Abu Hurairah So amongst the Sahaba, you have some big names and more than one. And from the later scholars, you have Ibn Hazm, the scholar from Andalus, Imam al-Nawawi, the, great, the greatest Shafi'i scholar after Imam al-Shafi'i, Imam al-Suyuti, the famous scholar of Mamluk Egypt, uh, Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn al-Qayyim, both argued for this. And no surprise, most of his modern followers reject this. As you know, I'm pointing out some of the minor tensions that exist out of, يعني, uh, anyway, I have my reasons for doing so. But as is typical, those who look up to these two figures, they don't follow these two figures on this issue. And most of the modern followers of these ulama, they say, no, no, the dead cannot hear. And they have 
another position on this. And they're respected ulama, I'm not saying that, but in, in terms of Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Qayyim, they both argued that the dead can uh, hear. And Ibn Kathir, the famous mufassir in his tafsir, he explicitly says that the dead uh, can hear. And uh, in uh, recent times as well, the famous mufassir Al-Allama Al-Shanqiti, in his Adwa Al-Bayan, he has an entire section about the evidences for the dead can hear. And he has like, I think, three, four pages where he goes into detail uh, about these same evidences that I have um, mentioned. Uh, just to quote you some of these so that you know I'm not making this up. Ibn Taymiyyah in his Majmu' Fatawa, volume 4, 273, he was asked, do the dead speak in their qabr? And he replied, yes, it is clear that the dead can speak in their qabr, meaning to each other or to Allah, not to the living. Means the dead are able to communicate in the qabr, in the barzakh, right? Amongst themselves, meaning not to the living. And also, Ibn, Ibn, Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, they can hear those who speak to them. As has been narrated in the Sahih that the Prophet wasallam said, they can hear the footsteps of those who are around them when they walk away. This is Ibn Taymiyyah in his Majur Fatawa. And also in his Majmu'a Fatawa, volume 4, page 298, he says that Aisha radiallahu anha, this Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, Aisha radiallahu anha, ta'awwala, reinterpreted the explicit ahadith about the dead hearing in the qabr. He says, Aisha radiallahu anha took these ahadith and didn't understand them literally. She had a reinterpretation. And reinterpretation is allowed when there are evidences that allow you to do this. But then he said, Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, but the statements of the Prophet ﷺ do not need to be reinterpreted. In other words, he's politely saying, there was no need for our mother Aisha to do this. The statements of the Prophet ﷺ are clear because the Quran does not contain anything in it that requires this negation. Now, what is he referring to? Aisha radiallahu anha said that when, so this, this uh, hadith is in Bukhari and other books of hadith authentic. When Ibn Umar told the people of the incident of Badr many, many years later after the death of the Prophet and the people of Badr heard the Prophet Aisha said, is authentically narrated, Qad wahima, he has made an error. Yani he slipped his memory. He said, this is not what the Prophet could have said. Meaning Ibn Umar or Umar made a judgment error or made a lapse or something that their memory did not serve them properly. Wahim means an honest mistake. She's not accusing them of a'udhu billah, a'udhu billah more than this. It's just an honest mistake. Yani everybody's memory fails. He made a mistake. And she said, don't you hear what Allah is saying in the Quran? فَإِنَّكَ لَا تُسْمِعُ الْمَوْتَى so Aisha radiallahu anha is quoting the Quran against Ibn Umar's narration of what happened at Badr and she is saying Ibn Umar is mistaken. Ibn Umar made a genuine mistake because the Quran tells us the dead cannot hear. Rather, what the Prophet said was that they know, not they hear. They know that Allah Azza's promise is true, just like we know Allah's promise is true. So this is Aisha's ta'wil or reinterpretation of what happened at Badr. Ibn Taymiyyah is saying, there is no need for our mother to reinterpret. There's no clash in the first place. Because he is saying that 
the, the dead over here, they are not going to hear a hearing of benefit as we said. We explained what, how they interpreted this, uh, this verse. So Ibn Taymiyyah is very clear. He believes the dead can hear. Uh, Ibn al-Qayyim in his famous book Kitab al-Ruh, and I'm quoting these on purpose because again, with my utmost respect, many of those who follow these ulama don't really follow them. Uh, and so Ibn al-Qayyim in his Kitab al-Ruh, page 141, uh, he writes... Allah never intended with these verses. Which verses? Allah never intended with these verses to negate that the dead can hear. How can this be intended when the Prophet ﷺ informed us that the dead hear the footsteps of their funeral people? That, that he informed us that the people of Badr uh, heard him. That he informed us that when we go to the Qabr, we should say salam to them in the same manner that salam is given to the living. And that he informed us that when a brother visits his brother in the Qabr, that Allah is that um, uh, when the brother visits his Muslim brother in the Qabr, his brother responds to him and responds to the salam. Meaning, Ibn al-Qayyim considers the hadith to be authentic. The one that I said is weak, Ibn al-Qayyim considers it to be authentic and he quotes it. So, Ibn al-Qayyim and Ibn Taymiyyah and others, they are of the opinion that, uh, that the dead can hear and they are very firm on this uh, position. Now, who's on the other side? We also have some major ulama. And beginning with Aisha radiallahu anha herself. And from the Tabi'un Qatada, the student of Ibn Abbas, from the, the great ulama Al-Bayhaqi, uh, who died 438 Hijrah, uh, Ibn Atiyah, also from Andalus, uh, Ibn Al-Jawzi, not Ibn Al-Qayyim, there's two scholars, people get confused with them, Ibn Al-Jawzi, who was 596, and Ibn Al-Qayyim, who is 790, so 200 years difference between them. So Ibn Al-Jawzi is another famous scholar who's pre-Ibn Taymiyyah. He said they cannot uh, hear. Ibn Qudama, also one of the Hanbali scholars. Al-Qadi Abu Ya'la, also one of the Hanbali scholars. And from the Hanafi scholars, Ibn Al-Humam and Ibn Abidin, great Hanafi ulama, they also denied that the dead can uh, hear. And from the non-Madhabi scholars, a shawkani from Yemen, he also denied that the dead can hear. And in our modern times, the famous muhaddith, Sheikh Al-Albani, uh, may Allah Azza wa have mercy on him, uh, he wrote a treatise or a book, uh, which is essentially a negation of the dead uh, being able to hear. So he also considered the dead cannot um, hear. And they tried to bring some more interpretations. The evidences are pretty much as they are. There's no other interpretation. What I quoted to you is essentially the main evidences. They try to bring some other nuances. Of them is that they say, uh, and Sheikh Al-Albani's treatise is pretty thorough if you read it uh, in this regard, uh, that they say that Umar radiallahu anhu, when he is telling the Prophet Ya Rasulullah, how can they hear you? Indicates that Umar understood that the dead cannot hear. Right? You get this point. The Prophet did not correct him unconditionally. He could have said, O oh, Umar, what could he have said? The dead can hear. But he didn't. What did he say? They can hear me now as well as you guys can hear me. So this group says, this indicates what? Exception. It indicates exception. Otherwise, the Prophet would have said, what do you mean they can't hear? Of course the dead can hear. Right? So the fact that Umar radiallahu anhu he makes i'tirad, 
The fact that Umar understands and he's questioning, Ya Rasulullah, how can you speak to them? They're dead. And in response, the Prophet is saying, well, they can hear me now as well as you can. It seems to indicate an exception. And the other issue that they mention is that the issue of the footsteps, the issue of the footsteps, the very fact that they only hear the footsteps and also when Munkar and Nakir are questioning and when the ruh comes back, seems to indicate, as I explained already, that the curtain is falling, that that's it, the end. It's now gonna be the next uh, phase. Because you know, it's like the footsteps walking away and that's it, end. So now, this is where the real barzakh, if you like, um, begins. And as for the Prophet Sallallahu visiting the Qabr and saying, Assalamu Alaikum Ahla Qawmin Min Al-Muslimin This is an interesting point. They say this is not tahiyya. Tahiyya means greeting. This is dua. Tahiyya and dua are two separate things. Tahiyya is greeting. وَإِذَا حُيِّيتُمْ بِتَحِيَّةٍ فَحَيُّوا بِأَحْسَنَ مِنْهَا أَوْ رُدُّوهَا Allah says, when somebody comes and greets you with any greeting, respond with the same greeting or give better greeting than that. Tahiyya is for the living. But, they say, Assalamu alaykum can also be used as a dua. May Allah's peace be on you. So, which one is it? Tahiyya or salam? When you go to the qabr. Could be either. So those who say the dead here, they say, Assalamu alaikum is a tahiyya. And the other camp is saying, no, it is not a tahiyya, it is a dua. Right? So they eliminate this evidence as well. And they also say, just like we say in the salah, Assalamu alaikum ayyuhan nabi. Right? And we are not speaking to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He is now in the barzakh and he is now in the other life. As for the, uh, the, of course, we already mentioned that the, the dead recognizing the brother and then saying salam to him. They say this hadith is not narrated in any of the famous six books, which is true, it's not. And it is found in the more tertiary books of hadith and the isnads, all of them have slight weakness. Now, it is true, this hadith is mentioned by four or five isnads. Can these isnads strengthen one another? Ibn Qayyim thought they could. As-Suyuti thought they could. As-Suyuti also uses that. But the other groups, the more you know, stricter of the hadith scholars, they say no, the isnads are, are, are weak and there seems to be validity to that. As for the statement of Abd ibn As, Abd ibn As said, oh my family, stay with me. Right? This group says, Amr ibn As radiallahu an is a sahabi and his opinions are respected but they don't become the sharia. That's his opinion. And for psychological reasons, he wants his family around him. We don't base sharia on the opinion of a companion. Okay? So they say this is jazakallah khair, but we don't extract sharia from the opinion of a companion. As for the mutawatir narrations that the angels send the salam to the Prophet wasallam, they say this is an evidence against you, not for you. This is an evidence against, not for. How so? Who can tell me how? Yes? It's, uh, they use angels as like an intermediary. It's not like the prophet. Excellent point. Allah Azza wa Jal is using angels to bring the salam of the living to our Prophet indicating what? Indicating that the, 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 it's not the hearing. It is a separate 
and this is specific for one person and that is who? The Prophet Sallallahu It is not reported in any book and nor is it the belief of any mainstream Muslim that mashallah all of us have our group of angels that come to us when we're dead. No, that doesn't. That's our Prophet Sallallahu So they say this is an evidence against you, not for you. Okay? So we have here now two very different positions. Each one has its evidences. Each one has its great ulama. And now we come to the conclusion, which is what do we do with this controversy? And honestly, dear brothers and sisters, I have thought of this issue and, and researched it for a long period of time. It's nothing new that I'm doing for the first time today. And it really remains unclear to me. There is no unequivocal evidence on either side. And even the companions differed. So we should respect this issue. Even the Sahaba amongst themselves differed. And the Tabi'un and Taba Tabi'un differed. And you have great ulama on both sides. It is very clear that our mother Aisha radiallahu anha did not believe that the dead could hear. It's very clear. That's why she didn't even accept this wording of Ibn Umar's hadith. And she goes, no, no, this is a mistake. He couldn't have said that, right? It is also clear that Ibn Umar and others accepted that the dead hear when you go visit them. And... Uh, this issue, now by the way, again to be very accurate and pedantic here, the narration of the Prophet speaking to the people of Badr is reported by multiple male Sahaba. Aisha radiallahu anha was not there. She was not there. The battle of Badr, there were no women. So she is rejecting the narration based on what she thinks is an interpretation of the Quran, by the way. And Ibn Taymiyyah is saying there was no need for her to do that. There was no clash in the first place. Okay, so this is an interesting point that we do need to take into account. That the wording of Ibn Umar and the wording of the... Because Anas and others narrate the same thing. It's not just Ibn Umar. Multiple Sahaba are saying the Prophet went to the people of Badr and he spoke to them and he called them by name. And Aisha did not say this is an exception. Her interpretation was no, he didn't say that they hear because the dead cannot hear. And later scholars had to affirm that the Prophet said that wording, but then they said it's an exception. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say, right? So even this is an interesting uh, point here. Now, uh, and also by the FYI, just FYI, information's sake, around a century and a half ago, a very famous Hanafi scholar, uh, Nu'man uh, al-Alusi, the famous Mufassir, Khair uh, al al-Alusi, he wrote a book, that is called Al-Ayat Al-Bayyinat Fi Adami Sama'i Al-Amwat Inda Al-Hanafiyyat Al-Sadat This is a treatise or a booklet which is one of the more comprehensive books written in the last century in which he quoted some of the famous Hanafi scholars and he wanted to say that mainstream Hanafism does not affirm that the dead can hear. However, for those of you who know Hanafi, the school, as you should know, Hanafism has multiple strands, and you have the Iraqi school, you have the Shami school, and you have the Indian uh, school as well. And the Indian school, by and large, affirms that the dead can hear. Okay, so this is even within the Hanafi school, you have this uh, controversy. If you go to some of the classical tafsirs, one of the greatest mufassirs of the Quran, Ibn Jarir al Tabari who was one of the earliest mufassirs, over 1,100 years ago, 310 he died. He explicitly says that the verses that the dead cannot hear are hearing of benefit, not a hearing of the 
his, not to hearing of the thing. So Al-Tabari affirmed that the dead can hear. Other great scholars, they looked at these evidences and they basically shrugged their shoulders and they said, we don't know. Most famous amongst them, Ibn Abdul Bar, the famous Andalusian scholar, Ibn Abdul Bar said, these issues of whether the dead can hear or not, we will never know for certain, which is a very valid point, until we're dead. We're not going to know it until we're there. And until then, there's no point discussing it. So just let it be. Very practical approach, right? Ibn Abdul Bar is basically saying, we're never going to know for certain. What's the point? Just leave it. The problem is curiosity, correct? The problem is we're not satisfied with Ibn Abdul Bar's answer. We want to know, can we hear or not? Now, before I get to my conclusion, I'm kind of hyping it up. <laughs> uh, and my conclusion is pretty straightforward, inshallah. And you have already guessed it, I think, in the, in the, in the lead up to this. This issue of whether the dead can hear, before I get to my conclusion, we also need to make a very important disclaimer. Whether the dead can hear or not, there is no action that is based upon this controversy. We need to make this very, very clear. No fiqhi ruling changes. This is an abstract theoretical issue. Can the dead hear or not when you visit their qabr? Do they know you're there or not? Nothing changes in terms of what we do outside of the qabr. Is that clear? Why? Because one of the main reasons why the followers of Ibn Taymiyyah in our times and many of the famous ulama in recent history wanted to deny that the dead can hear is to get to the bigger issue which is clear cut. Should you ask the dead for your needs? And of course this group which is the correct position says no you cannot ask the dead for you which of course I agree with you don't go to the qabr and you say ya sahib al-qabr cure my child ya sahib al you don't do this right as we know some groups do this as we know this is something that happens in our, in our times so the group that wants to get rid of this habit or this practice one of the tactics they want to use is to say that the qabr does not hear the mayyit does not hear right and you understand where they're coming from in this regard I want to say, we need to be very clear whether the dead can hear or not, the fiqh of dealing with the dead does not change at all. We do not go to the qabr and have conversations about life on earth. None of the sahaba did this with the Prophet ﷺ. None of the tabi'un did it with the sahaba. They didn't just go and have a chair, pull it up to the qabr and say, I just want to update you about what's happening. You know, while you, since you've been down there since last month, let me tell you what's going on. Since you no longer have internet Wi-Fi password, let me explain to you. Fiqh doesn't change. Much worse than this is to ask the person in the qabr to do something for you. Oh, so and so, ask Allah to give me something. Or even worse than this, oh so and so, you give me something, right? We understand this is haram. We understand this point. Inshallah, everybody in this audience understands this is a major sin and it is a stepping stone to shirk. So we are definitely against this altogether. So there is no question, therefore, that this is a ijtihadi, aqadi issue that has no bearing on our actions. And history 
affirms this, that the classical ulama did not go to their teachers. The sahaba did not go to the Prophet's qabr and said, Ya Rasulullah, we're having major issues. There's a civil war going on. Can you help us out here? You know, there's two people fighting. You love both of them in this world. Can you tell us? what? No, none of them did this, right? So it's very clear that no fiqh is, is there. So to conclude, what is my humble position? Truly, I sympathize with Ibn Abdul Bar in the sense that we will never know until we're there, right? At the same time, Allah knows best, I find myself very sympathetic to Ibn Taymiyyah's position overall. Because the Quran does not negate the hearing of the dead unequivocally. If you look at those verses, all of them, they're dealing with hidayah. They're dealing with guidance. So it does appear that when Allah is saying the dead cannot hear, what he's negating is the hearing that is beneficial, the hearing that we call of the qalb. And all of these evidences, maybe each one of them can be interpreted this way, this way, this way, as the other group tries to do, right? Which is a valid one. It's a valid ijtihad. But put together, what is the message that we're getting? You see what I'm trying to say here, right? Each one you can Make a ta'wil of it. And you can say, okay, he means this. Okay, he means that. He means this. But put together, what are we getting from all of this? We're getting, and I quote Ibn Taymiyyah, volume 5, page 366 of Majmu' al-Fatawa. All of these traditions and other than them indicate that the mayyit can hear the speech of the living. But... This doesn't mean that every mayyit hears every speech of the visitor that comes to him, right? Because even in this world, sometimes the living don't hear the speech of the other living, right? Husbands don't hear the speech of their wives very often. And they're both alive, inshallah ta'ala. So just like in this world, sometimes the living don't hear the speech of the living, doesn't mean every single mayyit hears every single visitor that comes to his grave. For it is possible that Allah can allow some of them to hear in some circumstances and not in others. It is possible that the mayyit might be, this is Ibn Taymiyyah, might be busy with something else so that when the visitor comes he is unaware. And I found this very profound, right? That Ibn Taymiyyah is not just making a blanket overall, free for all. Every time the mayyit is visited by the living, he is aware of the living. No, the mayyit is in his own world. And the mayyit is no doubt busy in a lot of things, either good or bad. We ask Allah for good, but maybe it's the opposite, the bad. So there's no guarantee that the living, when they visit the mayyit, that every single time they will be noticed and heard. But... Overall, it is clear that it does happen. Badr is not an exception. Badr is a generic rule, but it is not necessarily the case that every single time the person will know, and therefore Allah knows best, but it can be made an argument that the dead are aware of the visitations of the living. And again, we're talking about when the, when the, when the living visit the qabr. That's what we're talking about here, right? And the dead can hear the salam and are aware of the salam if Allah wills. Not every single time. And it is very likely that especially if 
a long time has gone by because we also talked about the mayyit going to sleep in the grave. Remember, we talked about this as well, right? And so maybe that trance state comes. And so if, it, if a descendant comes, a second generation, third generation, your great-great-grandfather, for example, it's not the same as a freshly deceased, for example. Allah knows best. But again, this appears to be the case based upon the, uh, the narrations, whatnot. And to conclude, yani, not to get too personal, but as well, I also have experienced this in my life as well when it comes to dreams of the deceased and whatnot. And you get a notion of this and my teachers and many of my loved ones as well. And this is not an evidence in the Sharia. It is not an evidence. But Ibn Qayyim himself says, Tawatara. It is mutawatir that people have seen this in their dreams and that the dead are aware of the visitations of the living. So this is not a standalone evidence, but it is something that can be added to the list as well. And I agree with Ibn Taymiyyah and Ibn Al-Qayyim overall, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Before I open the floor for Q&A, uh, as you know, next week we're going uh, for Umrah, so I will not be here, inshallah, two weeks we're going to be coming. And then we will have the part two of this discussion. So no questions about that, which is, what can we do for the deceased? That's going to be in two weeks, inshallah. Today's lecture was all about hearing. As for what we can do and what we cannot do, that will inshallah be after two weeks. So we open the floor for Q&A inshallah, who will be our first questioner. MashaAllah, Uncle, you're always our first questioner. May Allah bless you and increase your enthusiasm. Very good question. Our brother asks that, that I said that dreams do not become a part of the Sharia. Yet, Abdullah ibn Zayd and others saw the, the adhan and the misprocedure of the adhan in a dream. And the response to this, their seeing it in a dream did not make it sharia. Their going to the Prophet and the Prophet commanding them to do it is what made it sharia. Not the dream in and of itself. The dream... The technical term, yusta'nasubihi. You find comfort in it, but you don't derive theology and fiqh from it. Okay? Sisters, any question from the sisters? Going once, going twice. Back to the brothers. Bismillah. Yes, go ahead. Can the dead talk to each other? Can the dead talk to each other? As Ibn Taymiyyah says, yes, it does appear to be the case that the alimul barzakh, if Allah wills, they can talk and meet one another. If Allah wills, there does not seem to be open license evidence that every dead can meet any dead and this doesn't even make sense logically rather this appears to be that whomever Allah wills amongst them will be able to and we of course have a confirmed narration that the prophets met one another in the night of Isra al Miraj and they are no longer alive the Prophet was alive but the rest of them other than Isa have gone on and they had conversations with one another Right? And we also have in the authentic narrations that the Prophet said, Musa and Adam had a fight. They didn't have it in this dunya. They had it in Barzakh. Right? They had it in Barzakh. Musa and Adam had a, are having a debate and fight and dialogue. So from this, we can say, Allah knows best, that there is clearly indications that some of the dead can meet some of the dead. Who, when, where, what? As Ibn Abdul Bar says, we will never know until we are a part of that world. Okay? Sisters, yes, go ahead in the back, go ahead. Innaka la tusmi'ul mawta. 
Tusmi'u. Tusmi'u, the Arabic tusmi'u means you cannot make them hear. Asma'a yusmi'u is not sami'a yasma'u. Asma'a yusmi'u is to make the other one hear. Right? So, innaka la tusmi'u al-mawta. The sister is saying basically that can wait can i comment a little bit more about the meaning of this verse and does it mean that the dead cannot hear so i'm just saying the 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 word that allah is using is you cannot cause the dead to hear the controversy is what hearing is being referenced the hearing that is the physical hearing or the, or the, the hearing of the words or the hearing that is hearing of benefit as for the dead hearing from each other to each other, uh, that's not what is referenced here. It is the living speaking to the dead, and whether it is a physical or a metaphysical, or a, not a metaphysical, but a spiritual one, and Allah knows best, okay? Yes, go ahead. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So our brother says, when we visit the qabr of the Prophet Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, does he hear us? Does he know of our presence? And this issue goes back to the very issue of can the dead hear or not? So the group that says that the dead can hear in the vicinity of the qabr, the group that says this will say that the Prophet ﷺ is aware, just like any mayyit is aware, he would be aware infinitely better of the ones in front of him, right? And in this case, they would say there is no need for the angel. And this group would then say that is the whole point of us going and giving salam directly. The other group will argue that no, wherever you are in the world, even if you are physically in front of the qabr, an angel will convey the salam. And so regardless of whether you're in front of the qabr or you are in America, it is the same. But when you're in front of the qabr, you get an emotional, basically, softness that you benefit from your salam is the same wherever it is so this is a good question now there is a fabricated hadith by the way we should be aware of it it is mawdu' it is not even forget the six books it's not in any of the authentic books of hadith it is fabricated that whoever sends salam to me from far away the angels convey the salam whoever comes to my qabr directly I hear his salam and this hadith is fabricated mawdu'. It is not authentic, okay? Yes, brother, go ahead. Uh, what category is like the dream in which like you have some type of contact with the dead? Like, so we will discuss this issue, inshallah, in uh, if not two weeks, uh, maybe in third week, three weeks from now, but the dreams of the living vis-a-vis -vis the dead, we will discuss this in detail, inshallah, okay? Good question. Sisters, yes, go ahead, yes, go ahead. Our sister is saying that because they're aware of their surroundings or what? So it is a part of our sharia by all the, the sisters talking about burying uh, a Muslim uh, in a non-Muslim grave. Is it because of the surroundings or whatnot? Uh, it is unanimous consensus of all of the madhahib and scholars that Muslim graves should be separate and distinct from non-Muslim areas. They should have a separate thing. Now, why this is the case? 
there is no explicit reason in the Sharia. Why is this the case? Is it because they will hear the adab of the others? Is going to be? Is it that we don't know? We do not know. So I can't answer you. Why is that? Because there is not an explicit narration. Why? But it is something that in which there is no difference of opinion. Therefore, if a Muslim passes away in a land where there is no Muslim cemetery, then the ideal thing to do, if possible, is to take him to the nearest Muslim cemetery, even if that delays his burial by a short and reasonable period of time. If it will make it unreasonable and too extended and the body will begin to decay, in this case, it is a darura, and if possible, he should be buried in a separate away plot. And if that is not possible, then la yukallifullahu nafsan illa wasa'a, and you bury him wherever and ask Allah's forgive. Nothing can be done in that case. Allah knows best. Final question from... Four brothers simultaneously raised their hands. Very quickly, let's do all of them. Very quickly. These four and then that's it. So the people who subscribe to one camp or another, the group that ultimately turns out to be incorrect or those who advocated for that position, is that ultimately a sin at the end of the day? The brother says, is it a sin to hold a wrong opinion? No. Our Prophet ﷺ said, if a person exercises his best, most judicious ijtihad, he tries his best to get to the opinion, and he is correct, Allah will give him a double reward. And even if he's incorrect, he will get one reward. Allah does not punish for a sincere effort. Brothers, Bismillah. So our brother is saying that is it sinful to speak to the dead in front of the Qabr out of emotion? Uh, I'm not going to say it's sinful. I will say definitely this goes against the actions of our ummah, of the righteous and the ulama of our ummah, and the sahaba themselves. If anybody deserved to be spoken to, it would have been the Prophet ﷺ. If there was any time when somebody needed to speak to a deceased, the sahaba during civil war would have gone to the Prophet ﷺ and done something, right? So this goes against the actions of our ummah. And it is not something that we want to open to. Now, obviously, if you become emotional and you say something, this is one of the reasons why people of, of weak emotion should not go to the grave in the first place, as we know if you get my reference here, that you should have a strength when you go to the qabr. It is not something that is allowed. I'm not going to use the word sinful. The least that can be said is that it is makru, Allah knows best. Final question, because where is it? Go ahead. Candy? Can the living creatures hear the dead? It is narrated, it is narrated that uh, the Baha'im or some of the beasts can hear uh, the, the torture of some of the people of the Qabr. It is narrated that some of the Baha'im, there are narrations in this regard, that the Baha'im, so some of the beasts, they are able to hear the the adab al-qabr and so this indicates that not all but at times certain things are made clear to them and Allah knows best I'm just this is my own ijtihad perhaps this is one of the reasons why cemeteries are abandoned for all or almost all living creatures that these are not places where generally speaking we find you know the, the living go there Allah knows best in this case, inshallah. This, inshallah, will conclude, and I will see you, inshallah, in two weeks, inshallah. 
لا يزال الخير حيا لا يزال إن في الدنيا سلاما وظلال أخبر الأيام أنها في وصال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال قم بنا وانظر لآيات الجمال